Well, we've been in a, a series on the family, and we've, we've taken some time to look at God's design and purpose uh, in, in designing the family and creating the family. Uh, we looked at the kind of the differences and distinctions between men and women, biblical masculinity, biblical femininity. We've looked at the blessings of marriage, God creating the institution of marriage and the blessings that come along with that. And tonight I want to uh, just delve a little bit further into the subject of marriage and consider, not, I guess, some of the specifics of how to have a good marriage. And the reason that this is important is because while God created marriage to be a good thing, many marriages, if we're real honest, are not all that good. I mean, when you consider that in our nation the divorce rate is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50%, I've heard numbers right at 50, I've heard numbers slightly higher than that, but basically, in this country, half of marriages end in divorce. So we know that at least half of the marriages in, the, in this country are not good, but I'll tell you, I've also counseled a lot of people who've been married for many, many, many years and have stayed together, but they don't have a good marriage. And so I would say it's, it's quite realistic to say that well over half of the marriages are not good marriages. And yet we, we look at that and we say, well, how can this be a good thing? If God said that he designed marriage, that, that, that he, he said it was, it was good, it was not good that man should be alone, so he created Eve to be his help, meet for him, and, and he said that this was good, he blessed it. The Bible tells us, whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, and a obtaineth favor of the Lord. So God speaks of marriage in a positive light. And we, we, we've talked about the fact last time that really a good marriage is one of the greatest blessings that we could ever have on this earth. One of the greatest blessings that God has given to us. But how does that work? And why do so many marriages not go well? We're going to read a passage of scripture tonight that I know is familiar probably to the vast majority of us in this room, but I believe that this passage of scripture really holds the key to a successful marriage. And I'm going to let you remain seated tonight, but we're going to pick it up in verse number 22 of Ephesians 5. As the Lord gives instruction on marriage, he says here, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife lo loveth himself." For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, 
Let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Let's stop here and have a word of prayer. Our Father, tonight as we look into these verses of Scripture, I, I pray that you would help each one of us here who is a husband or a wife to look within ourselves and to really consider how we're doing in fulfilling the roles that you have given to us in our home. I pray for everyone here who maybe even isn't even married yet, but they plan to someday be married, that you would teach, the, teach us all from your word that we might submit, and as we submit ourselves to you and to your authority and to your structure and design, that we would be able to fulfill the purpose that you have given to us. And Lord, would you strengthen our homes we understand that the home really is the foundation for our, our lives and for the church. And so we ask, Lord, and, and pray. I pray for each of the marriages that's represented here tonight. And I pray for your grace and your help and your strength. I know that there's not one of us here that can say we have a perfect marriage, that we have a perfect relationship. There's always room for growth, and I ask that you would intervene in our, in our relationships and strengthen us and help us to grow that we might better fulfill the roles that you've given to us, that we might better enjoy the blessing of marriage that you've given to us, but ultimately that we may better picture this wonderful relationship between Christ and the church that is designed to be pictured in the, in the marriage relationship. So help us tonight, Lord. Give us understanding of your words. Give me clarity of thought and boldness as I preach your word, and help us, Lord, to submit ourselves to you, for we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you don't have to go much farther than this passage of scripture if you want to upset people today. The, uh, the first verses that we read there deal with a wife submitting to her husband, and I think it's pretty clear and obvious that in society today, this is, uh, uh, this is something that has been lost, it's been uh, downplayed, it's, it's, it's been mocked and made fun of, it's even been used at times uh, as a reason to say that, that, you know, this book, the Bible, is just antiquated, it's outdated, and it needs to go. But I want you to know that the Word of God never changes, God's opinion doesn't change, man may change, our ideas, our thoughts, culture, societies may change, God does not change, and God's word doesn't change. And so what God said thousands of years ago stands today. Jesus said that the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge. And so when we stand before God in judgment, and that's still out in the future, we're going to be judged according to this book. And so it's important that we understand it's really not about what society says or the way that the world thinks today... What matters is what does God say? And if we want to have a happy home, if we want to have a strong marriage, we've got to get away from the philosophies and ideas and, and, and plans of the world and the ways of the world, and we've got to get back to the book and say, what does God say? How should a marriage work and function? And within this chapter, we find that the Lord gives to us a very clear pattern of instruction for how a marriage is to work and how, what our roles are to be within the home. The reason that we took a couple of weeks and discussed the difference between men and women 
is to establish that we are different. God has created men and women differently. And part of that difference is a difference in our roles. A difference in, uh, in, in the job, if you will, that we have to do. And when it comes to our home, my job, my role within my home is different than my wife's. Some people say, well, you know, marriage is 50-50 and you just kind of, it's a little bit of give and take and, and both people need to pitch in and help out in every way that they can. I'm not against helping one another and, and seeing those things, but I want you to know uh, that's, that's not how God designed the home. He didn't just take two people that are equal and the same and put them together and say, okay, now you're a team, do this together. He actually took two very different people uh, oftentimes two very opposite people in the way that we think, in our strengths, in our abilities. And he put us in the home in order not just to assist one another in our job, but actually to complement one another. There are things that my wife can do that I cannot do. There are things that I can do that my wife cannot do. And God made it that way on purpose. And so within the family, within a marriage, God has given to us differences in roles, differences in what we are to do and how we are to behave and carry out uh, our, our, our particular roles. And I would say to you that I believe the vast majority, the vast majority of marital conflict and marital problems can be traced back to a violation of these verses of scripture that we just read. When we get our roles out of order, when we fail to understand and fail to fulfill our role within the home, things are not going to go well. There are problems that arise. When a wife fails to fulfill her role that God has given to her and rather tries to step in and fulfill her husband's role, I can tell you it does not go well. It doesn't go well. When a husband shirks his responsibility and kind of steps back in order to allow his wife to take the lead role in the home, it does not go well. It's not God's design. It's not his plan. And so let's just look briefly tonight at what God has said to us about the differences of roles between a wife and a husband. And he addresses the wife first. I find this really fascinating and really interesting because... God created man first, right? He created Adam first. And since we know that the husband, the, the man, is to be the leader in the home, wouldn't you think that God would address the man first and say, this is your role? I don't fully understand why God does the things he does, but I'm not God. And he addressed the ladies first. And he said, ladies, here's, here's what you do. Wives, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves... Unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, that is about as plain and clear and direct as you can be. Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Wives, tonight, you need to understand that your role within your marriage is to follow. Your role is to submit to his leadership. Now, that may not be comfortable. Some of you may, may be thinking in your mind, I don't know how I can do that. You don't know my husband. Whatever the excuse might be, but I just want to say to you tonight, God's plan and purpose for you in your home is to submit to your husband. 
Look what he says. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Then verse 23, in case, in case verse 22 wasn't clear enough, verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in, what are those next two words? What was it? Everything. Everything. A wife is to submit to her husband in everything. In the same way that a church is to submit to Christ. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. If Mount Zion Baptist Church submitted to Christ... In the same way that most wives submit to their husbands, would you agree our church would be out of order? I will do what God says to do as long as I agree with it. I'll do what the Bible tells me to do as long as I think that that's the best plan. I, I, I will follow the leadership of Christ... Unless I feel that my way is better or maybe what God's will and plan for, for our church is not the best thing, so then I'll kind of maybe try to override. Is it fair to say tonight that Christ is the head of this church and that he ought to have absolute control and authority here? If we disagree with that, we've got a major problem. Because this is not my church, and this is not your church. This is Christ's church, of which we are part, and he is the authority here. And this is the example that the word of God tells us that, that the wife is to follow in submission to her husband in the same way that a church is to be subject to Christ, the wife is to be subject to her husband. Now, I understand that there are tensions and difficulties that arise with that because one of the big differences is Christ is perfect. Christ is always right. Your husband is not. I think I heard about 14 amens under the breath. <laughs> I want to show you, though, that this... this commandment for wives is not conditional. And I have dealt with so many ladies, so many well-meaning ladies that, that, that they have a desire to do right and they even want to be submissive to their husband, but they just feel like they cannot. And they feel like they can't because, well, my husband is not a spiritual man. Well, my husband doesn't want to lead. Well, my husband is, 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 you know, you just don't understand my husband. He's selfish and he's unconcerned with our family. Whatever the excuse is tonight, I just want to say, I don't see anywhere in this passage where God gives you an out. I don't see anywhere here where he says, submit yourselves unto your own husband's Unless, and then fill in the blank. 
Now, I will say I do believe there is one scriptural caveat to this, and I'll show you what that is in a moment. That is, in the case where a husband would lead his wife to do something contrary to the word of God in obedience to God, where in order to follow her husband, she would have to actually disobey God, to violate the word of God. And in that case, I can tell you, I believe that you would have the scriptural right and responsibility to, to, to not submit in that moment. If Let's just say your, your husband said, okay, you know, I've decided that what's best for our family, we're struggling financially, and what's best for our family is we're going to go and rob a bank, and uh, you're going to help me, and you have to follow because you're my wife and you must submit to me. And the wife says, well, I guess, you know, there's no, there's no uh, caveat here, so I've got to just do what... Uh, what he said. Well, no, actually, uh, hold your place here and go with me, if you would, to Romans chapter 13. If you would, just briefly. And I want to show you, because I know that that's probably something that comes up in the mind of a wife that says, that when, when we say, you know, you've got to follow, you've got to submit to your husband. This is God's commandment. You might say, well, what if my husband is leading me to do something that is contrary to God's word? I want you to notice the wording. Now, this is in reference uh, primarily to civil authorities, but, but I think the principle still applies. Romans chapter 13 and verse number 1. Look what it says. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are, are ordained of God. Whosoever, therefore, resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Why? Verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is a minister of God, a revenger, to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So in this passage, we see that God says we are to submit to authority in general, the higher powers. And it tells us that that authority is ordained by God. Now let me ask you, the leaders in our country, are they all stand-up godly people? That should have been a resounding no. Most of them are not. They don't know the Lord. They don't submit to the word of God. And yet, according to God, they are ordained of him for the position that they are in. Now, we may not like the, the leaders that we have. We may not agree with them. We ought to use our ability to vote and vote out the ones that are not following the ways of the Lord, but if a law is passed, do we not still have the responsibility to obey that law? Well, yes, we do. Police officers and judges and those in authority have the legal right, not just from the Constitution, but actually from God himself to enforce the law. And we are to submit to that. However, 
If you notice the first word there in the chapter, in chapter 13, he says, let every soul be subject to the higher powers. Authority comes from God, and it is passed down a, a, a chain of command, a line of authority. And if somewhere down in that chain of command, we, we understand, in other words, that I submit to the authority just above me because I'm actually submitting to the higher authority above him. Parents, or children, you obey your parents, not just because your parents are always right, but because your parents are ordained of God in your home. And by submitting to your parents, you are submitting to God. Now, if and when that authority wants to cause you to disobey that authority, the higher power, it would only be in that situation, in that case, that you would have a right to say, you know what? I love you, I respect you, I will submit to you, but I must be subject to the higher power. Now, that doesn't mean, again, if I disagree with your decision then I have, uh, I'm going to find some kind of a Bible verse that tells me you ought to be doing things differently and then, uh, and then I'll choose not to submit. No, 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 no. Unless the authority is causing you to disobey the higher authority, you obey the authority. So wives, in the same way that you would submit to Christ himself, you are to submit to your husband. Because your husband has been placed in your life as uh, for, for the purpose of what the Bible would call headship. To be the head of the wife. He's been placed there by God to lead you. And in following him, you're following the Lord. Even when you disagree. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And by the way, I want to show you that this is not just a commandment. You know, I, I, I know that sometimes we stand and preach, and, and as a man, uh, it, it's easy to stand and, and, and preach, and, and, and probably the ladies out there sometimes think, well, this is a really convenient doctrine for you. But I want you to know that this is more than just a command because, you know, in ancient times, men were chauvinists and... And they wanted to rule over women, and women were a possession. That's the, that's the type of stuff that society wants to spew out at you today. But I want you to know, again, this is not some chauvinistic philosophy. This was God's ordained order. And I want you to know that if you will submit to the Lord by submitting to your husband, you actually have incredible power and influence in your home. You have incredible power and influence in your home. Go with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter, chapter 3. In 1 Peter 3, verse number 1, it says, Likewise, you wives... Be in subjection to your own husbands. That, we could, we could put the word so there without changing the meaning of that. So that, okay? Be, be in subjection to your own husbands that, or so that, if any obey not the word, 
they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of hair and of wearing of gold or putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. What, what, what is he saying here? He says, wives, you are to submit to your husbands. You are to follow them with humility, with a, a meek and quiet spirit, so that, look what he says, if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. That conversation has to do with conduct and lifestyle, not just words. What's he saying? Think about this. Ladies, you have the ability, even a lost husband, a man who does not know Christ, you have the ability to potentially win him to Christ simply by being what you ought to be as a wife. It says that they may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. I don't see anywhere else in scripture that it tells us that someone can be won without the word. I can't go to a stranger in our community and just by being a nice guy and hanging around and being good, win them to Christ. Lifestyle evangelism is not found anywhere in the Bible. We're to go and preach the gospel. And when I go, I've got to have the word of God because I have no power in myself. My words, my wisdom has no power. The word of God has power. So I have to give them the gospel. I have to give them the word of God. But, but ladies, he's saying to you, you have a power in yourself, the power to influence your husband in your character, in your conduct. So when someone says, and, and, and by the way, if this applies to a, a wife that has a lost, unsaved husband, how much more does it apply to a wife who has a saved husband who may not be doing what he ought to do? I want you to notice that it doesn't say here that you're going to win your husband by constant preaching. Most, most ladies, when they see their husband not living as he ought to, not leading as he ought to, they'll be patient with that for a time. But at the end of the day, when it's just a constant failure in leadership, a constant selfishness, you know what they tend to resort to? Nagging. There's a lot of jokes about a nagging wife. I'm not going to tell them because my wife is listening. <laughs> and she doesn't nag anyway. But here's the thing. It's actually no joke. Ladies, God did not, did not put you in your husband's life to be the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 27, we won't take the time to go there, but it says... That is a continual dropping in a rainy day. So is a contentious woman. If you have, and I, I'm not 
accusing anyone here, but if you have ever, ladies, nagged your husband about things, you probably ended the day pretty frustrated because it didn't get you very far. That's not how men are persuaded. The best way to persuade your husband is to humbly submit and follow him. Pray for him. Encourage him. Submit yourself. Submit yourself. Now, as we go back to Ephesians 5, ladies, I've been pretty hard on you. But then he, for the rest of the chapter, addresses husbands. And notice what he says in verse number 25. He says, husbands, love your wives. And guys, we can go, that's easy enough. If I didn't love her, I wouldn't have married her. Of course I love my wife. But he said, husbands, love your wives even as. Those, those even as words are the hard ones in Scripture. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. The husband needs one thing. Ladies, your husband needs reverence. That's what it says. The wife is to reverence her husband at the end of verse 33. He needs reverence. He needs respect. He needs you to follow him. He needs you to submit to him. The wife needs two things. First thing she needs is love. That love is not just a feeling of appreciation and admiration. You know where it goes from... uh, I love her because she's beautiful and I enjoy her company and that's why I married her to, well, now I love her because she cooks for me and she cleans for me and she's faithful to me. No, no, no. All of those things are selfish. And really those are just selfish desires, right? But he says we are to love our wives, men, as Christ also loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? He gave himself for it. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so the the Christ example of love is self-sacrificing. Why is this important? Because men, let's be real honest, naturally we are selfish. We're selfish. You know what, what most men get accused of as being husbands? You're insensitive. I don't see anywhere in the Bible that God commanded the husband to be sensitive. We are men, after all. We're not to be sensitive, but we are to be selfless. And what is often called insensitive could actually be more accurately defined as selfish. Where we tend to just be self-consumed and always thinking about ourselves and our needs and and the reason that we are called insensitive is because when our wife is hurting we tend to think well I wouldn't be hurting about that therefore you shouldn't be hurting about that you know what that is that's selfishness that's me thinking about me and not caring about you folks men husbands let's be honest Is that not our natural way? 
just to think about ourselves? I look at my wife, and one of the things that I don't understand about her is that she can be upset with me, irritated by me. I, I can't tell you the number of times. I know this is confession time. Here, I get to get up here and tell you all our dirty laundry, you know. I can't tell you the number of times, like especially early on in our marriage where we had some rocky times, where she would be just frustrated and angry with me and she would like storm off and then I'd come out of the room or wherever and find she's in there cooking dinner for me. Not like out of a heart of, oh man, I... I forgive him. I'm just kidding. No, I mean, she'd sometimes slam cupboard doors and whatever, but she was still doing it. Why? Because there's something in her that's somewhat selfless. And, you know, even last week, we were both down sick, and the kids still had needs and stuff, and here she is. You know, I'm just kind of trying to do my thing and sleep and whatever and get better and she's concerned about how the kids are doing and making sure that they're fed and that everything is taken care of around the house and doing laundry and different stuff and there's just something about ladies that God's put within you a nurturing caring way I'm thankful for that I don't have that I don't think most men have that most of us have a tendency to look at me, what I need. And so the Lord says to us, you are to love your wife, not in you, by your definition of love, not by your thinking of what love is. You are to love your wife. Here's your example. Christ and the church, he gave himself. He gave himself. You sacrifice yourself for your wife. Now think about this with me. Listen, ladies, think about this. This is a good news for you because we were talking about submission and you say, man, it's so hard to submit. Even if I had a good man, even if I had a godly man, how, how could I submit myself? I want you to know a husband that loves his wife is not going to lord over his wife. A husband who sacrifices himself for his wife and he gives himself because he loves her and he, he, wants, to, uh, he wants to bless her, he wants to do good things for her, he's not going to come home and say, woman, this is my castle and I'm the king and you're going to do what I want you to do. That is not the way that a godly man leads his home. Christ, the example of our love, wrapped himself in a towel and bent down and washed the feet of his disciples. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He humbled himself and took upon him the form of a servant. And a husband who loves his wife is going to be willing to serve. So a wife needs love but she also needs leadership. And when I say leadership, I'm not simply talking about making decisions about the house and money and where you're going on vacation, okay? The leadership 
men that God has put you in charge of in your home? Look at what he says, verse uh, 25, that we are to love our wives even as Christ also loved the church. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish. How is, a, how is a husband to lead his wife? He's to provide leadership even in his wife's sanctification, in her spiritual growth. Husbands, you are to be a pastor in your home. You are the shepherd of your wife's soul. Think about this. In the same way that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, that he might make us what we ought to be. I'm thankful that God didn't just save me and leave me out here on my own, but he lovingly leads me in sanctification day by day by day. He helps me to become more Christ-like every day. God helps me with that. Men... You ought to be leading your wife and helping her to become more Christ-like. You ought to be leading her spiritually. I think the blight of this generation is men who won't be men, men who won't, won't stand up and lead. But the blight of our churches today is men who take a back seat in the spiritual direction of their family and they let their wife sit in the driver's seat. And, and friend, I want to say to you that not only... Does your wife, it was your wife not designed to lead your home, but it is not fair to, to her to put that on her. And if you will not lead her spiritually, you are not loving her as you ought to. You are the one who sets the spiritual temperature in your home, husband. You're the one who ought to be praying for your kids every day. You're the one who ought to be teaching them the Bible. And I have seen so many Christian homes where, where this philosophy permeates. You know, dad's just going to go out and, 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 and he's just going to be the breadwinner and he's going to work hard and he's going to maybe teach the, the boys how to work and how to be tough and all of that. But all that other stuff, that's mom's job. And mom's the one who sits down with an open Bible and teaches them the word of God. And mom's the one who's really adamant that the family needs to be in church. And, and mom's the one who's concerned about their spiritual well-being and what they're, uh, what they're being influenced by and their friends and their entertainment. And friend, that is pathetic. Dad, husband, it's your job. Lover... And lead her. Because that is what you have been commanded to do. Lead her to love God. Lead her to follow Christ. I think of Joshua who famously said those words. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. By the way, that was not a decision by consensus. Family meeting. Let's get together. Do you think we ought to serve God? Do you think we should serve God? Do you think we should serve God? No, this was unilateral. Joshua said, my, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was Joshua's decision. This is the way we're going. Men, it's your job. 
Be the man that God has called you to be. Your authority in the home is not so that you can lord over your wife and that she can be your servant. Actually, you ought to be serving her so that you can set the example of Christ's likeness in your home and that you can lead your family in the way that you ought to go. And that means that you're going to have to learn to have a walk with God yourself. It means you're going to have to learn how to carve some time out of your day and put your nose in this book and get on your face before the Lord and plead for your wife and plead for your kids and ask the Lord to, to work and, 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 and ask the Lord to help you to be the leader and the husband that you ought to be. Yes, there are differences in roles. But I also want you to notice one, one more thing before we close here tonight. I want you to notice that both of these commandments are addressed to the individuals who have control over them. In other words, he does not say in verse 22, Wives, be sure that your husband loves you as Christ also loved the church. Nor does he say, submit to your husband as long as he loves you as Christ also loves the church. He simply says to you, ladies, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. You know why? Because you cannot change your husband. You can't control him. And it's not your job. It's God's job. You can pray for him. You ought to. But you're to submit to him. And so often, ladies fail to submit to their husbands because they look at their husband and they say, he's not the man he ought to be. So I guess that frees me from my responsibility. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Submit. Follow him. Because ultimately, you're not submitting to him. You're submitting to him. Husbands, he doesn't say, put your thumb on your wife. Make sure she's following in line. He doesn't say, make sure she follows you. He says, love her and lead her. Be what you ought to be. Well, I would love my wife. It would be a lot easier to love my wife if she'd submit to me. Yeah, it would. That's the interesting thing. It's easier for a husband to love his wife when she submits. It's easier for a wife to submit when she feels she's being loved. But we live in a fallen world and we, we're married to imperfect, sinful people. And that's not always the way it works. But we still have the responsibility to look in the mirror and say, What has God called me to do? Ladies, if you want to improve your marriage and your home, determine in your heart that you will submit to your husband as unto the Lord. Men, if you want to improve your home, determine in your heart by God's grace that you are going to love your wife as Christ also loved the church, that you will lead, that you will serve, that you will minister to her needs. Notice what he says in verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. If I'd take care of me, I ought to take care of her. 
So tonight, can I just encourage husbands and wives to maybe ask the Lord for some help? Because all of us have to admit that we don't do these things perfectly. But we all can, by the grace of God, do better. Let's determine we're going to do better.